What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now, here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome. I love watching movies. And the other day I was watching a movie that was based on a Broadway play and it was released in the mid 60s. It's called Fiddler on the Roof. This is based on the story of Teve, who is a milkman living with his five daughters in a Jewish village in pre revolutionary Russia. And the opening sequence, he talks about tradition. What is tradition? And it's kind of a cool song, which I won't sing here, but he talks about that there's a tradition in everything that they do, in their clothing, the food they eat, the way they eat, basically in everything that they do. And at one point, he asks the question out loud, why are we doing this? How did this all start? And he answered, I don't know, but it's what we do. It's what we know. He said, following traditions helps to keep a balance in oneself. So when you think about tradition, you think about something that you look forward to is whether it's a food that someone makes for you. It's a way it's prepared. Perhaps it's the way you spend your summer vacation It could be a number of different things, but it's something that you look forward to, something that you look forward to with anticipation, with a level of comfort. It's like wearing your favorite sweater or a sweatshirt or a scarf, something that you can wrap around yourself and feel that sense of comfort, that sense of belonging, that sense of balance that Tevi was talking about in the movie. And when you think about traditions, there are a few that are probably your favorite. And what I'd like to talk about today is some of my favorite traditions. So I'm going to start first with Christmas. I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. Caroling, music, baking, getting together with family and friends buying presents, buying that perfect gift for someone, seeing the look of happiness and delight on their faces when they open the present, writing Christmas cards, receiving Christmas cards, just that feeling of joy and happiness and love 
that I feel during the holiday season. Now, with my background, so my parents were born in Poland, and so I'm Polish, so that's my culture. We're also Catholic, and so when I was growing up, the culture and the religion had a lot to do with Christmas. And I remember the food. Let's talk about the food. For Catholics and for those of Eastern European descent, so from Poland or Ukraine, Christmas Eve was the most important part of Christmas for us. That is when we served 12 meatless dishes. Now, I like to think that the number 12 referred to the apostles, but I don't know. So, again, was Tevi saying, how did this start? We don't know, but I'm going to go with that story. So we had 12 meatless dishes. And I remember my mother spending weeks upon weeks before Christmas preparing all the food. So these are the dishes that were served on Christmas Eve. There was borscht or beet soup. There was mushroom soup. And now mushroom soup was made from dried mushrooms that, backstory here, my dad would go mushroom picking in the fall. And he would come home with these big bushel baskets of different types of mushrooms. And my mother would painstakingly clean all the mushrooms. And then she would slice them paper thin, lay them out on a baking sheet, and then bake them or dry them in the oven at the lowest possible temperature. And she would take the dried mushrooms and then put them in a burlap sack and store them in what we had, we called a, a cold room. It was a, an addition to our house that had no insulation. And so in the winter, it was very cold. But that's where she would store her mushrooms. And then to make the mushroom soup, she would take the dried mushrooms and hydrate them in broth, and that would make the base of the soup. Now, mushrooms were also used in a few other dishes. So back to the borscht, there were pierogies that we would make, and the filling would be the chopped up mushrooms with some fried onion, and I believe there was some breadcrumbs in there. And then what they would do is once you made the pierogi, so you would seal the edges, and then you would bring the two ends together and form a little, it was like a little ear, and in Polish it's called ushka. Now, these little ushkas, the little ears, they would float in the soup. Now, this is the only time of the year that you would have these little ushkas in your borscht. They were also, mushrooms were also used in making pierogies, but these are pierogies that were made with sauerkraut. So sauerkraut and the dried mushrooms would be the filling for one of the pierogi dishes. The other dish was a side of sauerkraut with onions and again, the dried mushrooms. Now, speaking of pierogies, we also had cottage cheese and potato pierogies. Now, I know there are different variations 
Some use cheese with, some use sharp cheddar. We always made ours with cottage cheese and potato. So that was another of the pierogi dishes. Seafood was also a big part of our meal. Now, typically, when you research the type of fish that most Polish households would serve on Christmas Eve, you would serve carp. But my mother was not a fan of carp, and so she would serve halibut. Halibut steaks, in other words, and the halibut is very meaty, very rich, but that's what she wanted for Christmas Eve. We also served two different types of herring. Now, not everybody's a fan of herring. I'm the only one in my house (laughs) growing up and now that actually likes eating herring. So we would eat herring with onions and it was more of a vinegar kind of a base. And then we would also eat herring with a tomato sauce. So now we've had the borscht with the ushkas, the mushroom soup. We've had cottage cheese and potato pierogies, pierogies with sauerkraut and mushrooms, side dish of sauerkraut and mushrooms, then the two types of herring, and we also had the halibut. There's a potato salad that we would serve on Christmas Eve. Now, I say potato salad loosely because it's unlike any kind of potato salad that you might have ever eaten. This one contained eggs and mayonnaise, so very similar to most potato salads that you know. But we would add vegetables. Now, you can add chopped celery, chopped carrots, or what my mother used to do is she used to cook frozen peas and carrots, and then once they were cooled, she would add that to the potato mixture. Then she would also chop up dill pickle, and there was parsley in there. And then sometimes for color, she would add a few chopped up beets. But in most cases, she would leave it. So it was this really weird concoction of potato salad that sounds like it wouldn't be delicious, but it actually was quite delicious. And then she would serve what was called a compote. She would take dried fruits that she would prepare. So again, back to my dad going out mushroom picking, he would go to a lot of these farmer's markets back in the day. He would come home with bushels of fruit. And these were stone fruits. So plums, peaches, nectarines, pears, which is not a stone fruit, but a lot of the fruits that were in season in the fall. And then he would bring these home. Again, my mother would painstakingly peel, blanch, chop, dry. She would can some of the fruits, but a lot of them she would dry. And so then making the compote, similar to the mushrooms, she would then hydrate the dried fruits and then add other fruits or raisins. I think there was apples. It would be a a syrupy kind of a, a base for the fruit. And so we would have this compote that we would have. The other dish that was served was called kucha. Now, kucha is a honey-based dish. It had seeds in it, poppy seed. I'm trying to think what other seeds there were. I just remember poppy seed. And it was a very sweet kind of a dish. So you didn't have very much of it. But that's another dish that we had. 
And now let's talk about dessert. One of my favorite desserts is it's a poppy seed roll. And in Polish, it's called makovnik. It's a yeast based dough with poppy seeds, sugar, and there's other fillings, but it's oh, so delicious. The poppy seed is made into a bit of a paste. I forget what kind of mixture. I think there might have been some sugar, butter, of course, and so on. But I just remember that. And then finally, we would serve this. I don't know what you want to call it. It's not even a cookie. It's, ah, in English, it's angel wings. But in Polish, it was chrusty. And so you would take a strip of dough, and then you would cut a hole in the middle, and then you would take one end of the dough, put it through the hole, and then pull it out. Then you would deep fry these, and then still warm, you would sprinkle them with icing sugar. And so these are the dishes that I remember from Christmas Eve when I was growing up. Now, during the years, of course, when I had the kids and my first husband was also Polish. And so when my parents were still alive, we would alternate. We would go to his house for Christmas Eve dinner, or we'd go to my parents, or sometimes we'd have at our house. But we still had the same dishes that we would serve. And then, of course, things change, but I'll get to the change in traditions in just a moment. So going back again to my childhood, Christmas Eve, so of course, we had our dinner. And then after dinner, we were allowed to open one present on Christmas Eve, just one present. And then we would wait until Christmas Day morning to open the rest of our presents. So we would play together and we'd watch TV and we'd hang out. And then the entire family went to midnight mass. So it didn't matter how old you are, you all went to church. The church service was in Polish, which as I got older and I understood Polish and I was able to sing the Christmas carols in Polish and understand what the priest was saying. But as a young child, of course, we didn't understand. And so but we had no choice. We had to go to church. And then Christmas Day morning, we would get up, and we would have breakfast, open our presents, and then we went to church again for 11 o'clock. Again, service was in Polish. We would do a repeat of the Midnight Mass, singing Christmas carols in Polish, going through the whole Mass and Communion. Oh, one point I forgot to mention about the Christmas Eve dinner. So before the dinner, my dad would go to church and he would get a, an envelope. And in the envelope was what's called a poatic. So a poatic is a thin white wafer. And it's the same kind of wafer that the church uses for their communion. And then he would bring home this poatic. He would ask every family member to break off peace. And so then what you would do is you would offer your piece to another family member, they would break it off, you would eat it, and then you would kiss each other on the cheeks until everybody did it. That's what you did before the dinner. And so I wanted to mention that that was an important part of our Christmas Eve dinner. Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment. But first, I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. 
That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now, let's get back to the show. The other aspect that I wanted to talk about was on January 6th. So now Christmas is done, New Year's Day is done. January 6th is the Feast of Three Kings, or in church it's Epiphany. That is the day that the three kings and bearing gifts, there's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are the gifts that the three kings brought to Jesus. And again, my dad would go to church. He would pick up an envelope. In the envelope were pieces of chalk. The chalk was sitting on bits of, I want to say frankincense. Could have been something else, I'm not sure. But I remember that there were these crystals that were in the envelope. And they they had this really nice aroma. So I'm going to guess that it was probably frankincense. Anyway, the chalk was blessed by the priests. So my dad would bring the chalk home. He would write the initials of the three kings over all our doorways with the chalk. And that was his way, or I guess the tradition from the church, that this was a way of blessing our home for the new year with the names of the three kings. It's like the three kings were gifting us with their presence. I know it sounds it sounds kind of magical and almost like a story, but I just remember that my dad did that every January 6th. It didn't matter what the day it was, but that's what he did when we lived at home. And so these are the memories that I have the traditions that we had. And these traditions, when you think about what the meaning of traditions are, it's something that is passed down from generation to generation. Now, I don't remember having conversations with my mother as to why we were preparing dishes the way that we did or why we were serving these particular dishes. And I'm I'm a little sad and I guess a little disappointed, I guess, in myself that I didn't have those conversations. But when you're a teenager, I got married young. I was 19 years old when I got married and my mom passed away way too soon. I was 25 when she passed away. So when you're a teenager, early 20s, you don't really think about having those conversations about history and why things were done a certain way. I imagine that if I did have those conversations and ask her why she would do these dishes or why we would serve or why we would do anything, actually, she would probably answer similar to what Tevi did in The Fiddler in the Roof. Is that why or how? But she remembers her mother doing it and her mother's mother doing it. And so that's what she would do. And when I think about carrying on that tradition, I don't 
do things the same way. Just because it's things are different. And I want to touch on how different they are. So when I met my second husband, Frank, Frank is Italian. I remember the first time that the kids and I went to his mother's place, to Carmela's, for Christmas Eve dinner. I had asked him ahead of time whether I could bring anything with me. Could I bring some borscht? Could I bring some pierogies? And I was told, thank you, but no thank you. Okay. So keeping an open mind, we went for Christmas Eve dinner to his mother's place. Now, Italians, instead of pierogies, they serve pasta. And so his mother would make these different pasta dishes. And instead of borscht or mushroom soup, she would serve a cod stew. In Italian, it's bacala, similar to what my mother did with preparing dishes in advance of Christmas Eve. Carmela would do the same because cod is very salty. And you don't buy fresh cod, you buy dried cod. So she would soak the cod several days before Christmas. And she would have to change the water several times to get that that saltiness out of the cod. And of course, you know, hydrate the cod. And then she would prepare this this tomato-based soup or stew, I guess. It would have potatoes and cod. It would have black olives, onions. And it was, oh, so delicious. She, again, pasta, we would have vegetables. She would bake different desserts. And it wasn't the same as the Polish Christmas Eve, but it was still as delicious, comforting. And it was the start of a new tradition for us. Because every year at Christmas Eve, we would have an Italian Christmas Eve dinner. So similar to going to church, instead of going to the Polish church, which was Holy Ghost, we would go to the Italian church, which was Holy Rosary Church. We would still go to midnight mass. There was also church the next morning. The service was in Italian. (laughs) So going to church and going to the Polish church, I understood Polish. And so I was able to sing and follow along, but I didn't know Italian. I didn't speak Italian. And so I really didn't know what was being said, but the service was the same. And even though I didn't understand Italian, it felt very familiar to me. And so I was able to follow along without fully understanding what was being said. And I think about traditions that most of us follow. It's the same thing that we do every year, every moment. But when it comes to change, change can be a little difficult. I remember one of the recipes that my mom passed down to me, and again, she probably got it from her mother and her mother's mother, is the way that I make stuffing for turkey. She taught me how to make it, and that's how I've always made it. And I remember one year, I thought I would change it up. And so I added, I think I added cranberries or maybe I added mushrooms. And the kids, when they tried it, they're like, what did you do to the stuffing? It's not the same. Because they expect the same stuffing every time, because that's always how I've made it. 
And so whenever you change things up a little bit, it can be difficult to accept. But like everything else in life, change is inevitable. And if COVID has taught us anything, it's that we need to embrace change. We need to pivot, which I think is the word for 2020, 2021, and 2022, is that we need to create new traditions for ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that you forget your old traditions, but it's a way of modifying to suit your life the way it is now. And even though religion played a huge part in my life growing up when it came to holidays, and not just Christmas, but Easter was another one where religion played a huge part, along with the blessing of the food, etc. But my children don't follow the same kind of Christmas Eve that I did. And that's okay, because everyone adopts what works best for them, what works best for their lifestyle, and what works best for what they need in that moment. Now, that doesn't mean that things might be different when they get older. They may be different, or they might just stay the same. I know for myself, I don't go to church very often. And that's not because I don't believe in church, but it's not something that is part of my lifestyle. But when it comes to the other traditions around food, whether it's the Polish Christmas Eve or the Italian Christmas Eve, Or, as we did this year, because we didn't have family over for Christmas Eve, because my daughter had to work, it was just my husband and I, we didn't eat any of the dishes (laughs) that we both grew up eating on Christmas Eve, because it was just the two of us. But that didn't make Christmas Eve any less special, because I still got to spend it with someone I love. I still got to think about the magic Christmas. I still did all the baking, listened to Christmas carols, wrote Christmas cards, bought presents, wrapped presents, decorated the tree. All of that was still the same. And with January 6th, a few days away, I don't know that I will do the same as what my dad did in terms of writing the initials of the three kings above the doorway, but I will certainly still think about when my dad did that and have a smile on my face when I think about how he would also smile as he wrote the initials above the doorway. I'll always have those memories of Christmas Eve dinner with my mom, my dad, my brother and sister, my grandparents, who lived with us when I was a little girl, thinking about all those Christmas Eve dinners with Carmela, my mother-in-law, how hard she worked, how happy she was to feed us. Because when you think about it, food is love. Being with each other is love. Connecting with each other is love. And it doesn't matter what the tradition is. It's when we come together and celebrate sharing whatever it is that we were doing, eating. It doesn't matter because 
were together. And as the song from one of my favorite Christmas movies, love is all around us. So next time, when you think about what tradition means to you, what it means for your family, maybe it's time to think about honoring those past traditions and perhaps creating some new ones for yourself. No talking about bringing pieces of the old traditions and marrying it with some new ones and creating new memories for yourself, for your children, and for your grandchildren. And these will be traditions and memories that will live on forever. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.